Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I hope you were enjoying this season of Hanukkah. And even though it's technically over, there is an afterglow. And it carries on through the next several weeks, and we're so excited about that. So I am in uh, part four in my series on Hanukkah. Today, I've entitled this Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights. By the first century, the name of the Festival of Hanukkah gave away to another name, a name that would become even more prominent than the, than, than the name or term Hanukkah. It was Festival of Lights. So by the time you get to the first century, everyone's talking about the Festival of Lights. And the Jewish person, of course, knows that's a reference to Hanukkah, right? Now, it's not super clear why or how this happened, but it did. It's interesting to note that the main symbol of Hanukkah is what? The Hanukkah, yeah, the Hanukkah, the menorah, the lights. That became the symbol for Hanukkah. And it's most likely that the lights of the Hanukkah gave rise to the new name, Festival of Lights. Utmost is the relationship of Jesus to this civil festival called the Festival of Lights. In this teaching, we're going to explore the mystery of Jesus' connection with the Festival of Lights and why it should matter to you and me. So let's jump into our passage, John 10, 22, and we'll work our way down through the chapter. Now Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, was taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking around the temple inside the open porch of Solomon. Now the significance of Jesus being in the temple during the Festival of Lights is alarming when you dig into the background to this story. I mean, we read this casually, and it just sounds like he's on a stroll in the temple. He's a Jew. Where else would he be, right? It's Hanukkah, and that's, that's just kind of a bypassing reference that has no real significance at all. But as we look at the background, all of a sudden, it becomes super pointed and important. Think about this. Galilee up in the north was where Jesus's home base was. That's where he ministered. He was up in Galilee. The prophecy about a, a light in the north or among the Gentiles is a reference to him, the Messiah, being a light of revelation in the north of Israel. And that's exactly what was taking place. That's where he did ministry. That's his home base. That's where he's at most of the time, except on occasion, he comes down to Jerusalem. And what are those, those occasions? It's called the Pilgrimage Festivals, where all the Jewish people come down to Jerusalem to celebrate the three great festivals of Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Now, now you know, when you think about it, um, it doesn't sound like there's a lot involved here. You know, it's what Jewish people do. They travel down to Jerusalem. When you think of Galilee, how far north is that? And, and keep in mind, they didn't have... Um, they didn't have cars, Ubers. They didn't have, a, you couldn't get an Uber, right? How'd you get down there from Galilee? How'd the average person get down there? Walked. That's what the average person did. And Jesus, like most of the people of Israel, would make his way down during the pilgrimage 
festivals. And from Galilee to Jerusalem, walking eight hours a day. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty good walk, right? Eight hours? How many people walk eight hours a day? Eric does, okay. So eight hours, that's, a, that's and think about this. Eight hours a day, it would take four to five days to get to Jerusalem. That's quite the trip. That's quite the journey. And it's winter. It's winter. You factor that in, and that's even more of a challenge. So he either made the journey in the winter, traveling every day, eight hours a day for four or five days, and depending on the weather, because that's the rainy season, uh, it might even took longer. That's a significant sacrifice to be in Jerusalem. We can't just read this passage casually like, oh, he was there by chance. No, 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 he was there on purpose. And that travel would have been arduous, to say the least. It was a great sacrifice. And because it's a civil holiday and not a pilgrimage festival given by God through Moses, it's all the more significant because he didn't even have to be there but yet he makes the sacrifice. Now, some scholars point out that it would have been too arduous in the winter, so what he probably did is stayed in Jerusalem after Sukkot for 10 weeks until Hanukkah. Think about that, though. Who are you going to stay with? You know, that's a pretty big burden on, on whoever it is that's going to host him for 10 weeks. Either way you slice it, this was significant for Jesus to be there. He found it extremely important to make sure that he would be in Jerusalem, in the temple, on Hanukkah. That is significant when you think about it. Now keep in mind too, the city during this time would have been aglow. All of the lights lit for eight days, right? Some historians say that you could have seen the city from miles and miles from its outskirts. Because at night, being dark, of course, you have the temple, it's lit up. The synagogues are lit up. All of the homes, they have their candles lit. Can you imagine that? All the homes. And, and, and back then, they didn't have a candelabra, right? They had the little pottery clay dishes with a wick they would put in and oil, you know? But they'd probably line those up. You know, we could speculate that they probably lined those up every day until they had eight of them there, you know, for Hanukkah. But suffice it to say, all of the homes lit up. The whole city was aglow at night. You could see that from miles around. It must be what? A big party going on, right? It's Hanukkah. So here's Jesus, of course, down in the temple at the festival of Hanukkah. Hmm. Let's talk about light. This is the symbol of Hanukkah. The city was lit up at night. Something's going on. And for the Jewish people, light was very significant. It was a symbol for God himself. The light that we have in the menorah, it's a symbol. Light is associated with God. It's a part of his nature. He dwells in unapproachable light. He is light. And this, this idea that God is represented in the menorah, his presence with us, is significant even more so due to Hanukkah. Light is a symbol for God. 1 John 1.5. Now, this is the message 
we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. I remember the first time, it, it was my first dream that I had as a young boy from the Lord. And I, I think I was probably 10 years old, maybe a little younger. Downstairs in my basement, sleeping in my bed, right? And when you dream, of course, you don't know you're dreaming. You know, in the dream, it's real. And then you wake up and realize, oh, that was a dream, right? So in the dream, I'm in outer darkness, and I'm just like in space. I'm just floating. I can't, I can't tell what's up or what's down. I, I have no reference to north, south, east, or west, nothing. I was just in total, utter darkness. And I saw in the distance a door frame because there was light on the other side of this door, and I could see it in the outline of the door because it was, it was coming in through the frame itself. And I thought, I got to get to the light. I just knew innately, I've got to get to the light. I was lost in this darkness with no way out other than I knew that through that doorway was light and I would be safe. And so, you know, I'm eight, whatever, but you can swim in darkness if you're that young. So I'm doing the breaststroke kind of, you know, making my way to the door, you know. But I remember I reached out and when I touched the doorknob, I went to touch the doorknob as I touched it. It turned by itself and it opened up and a flood of light hit me like, like a raging uh, gust of wind. It just, it hit me and it, it enveloped me. It went through me. I was, I was just totally immersed and one with the light. And I just started weeping. I knew, I knew innately that I was saved. It was amazing. This encounter with the light, right? I knew it was God himself. And I woke up and I had been crying in my sleep. My, my cheeks were wet and I was still crying. And I thought to myself, oh, it was a dream. It was a dream. It was a dream, you know? But that dream was given to me by God, prepping me, prepping me, wooing me to come to him. And I didn't even know how to do that at, at that young of an age. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a church that would teach me how to do that, you know, but I never forgot that. And it played a factor later when I did get born again. Uh, but God is light and in him dwells no darkness. It's just powerful, life-giving, loving, intense, just, it's, it's just, it's incredible. It's indescribable. This is who God is. And he is associated, of course, with light. He is light. Let's talk about light as a figure of speech for revelation. We've all heard this before. You know, you're trying to think through something. You can't resolve it. When you finally do, we, we, we talk about that as a light going on. It's like, yep, I was thinking. All of a sudden, the light went on. What does that mean? All of a sudden, I understood. All of a sudden, everything came together and it made sense. It was like the light was going on. Or if you go into a room and it's totally dark, you don't know what's in the room, right? Until you turn on the light. When you turn on the light, you can see everything in the room. Now you have a perspective and some understanding as what's in the room. Why? Because of the light. Light is a revelatory device. Light illuminates. It opens up your ability to understand. This is why when we trust in the Lord, we have an understanding of life that we didn't have outside of him. He gives us perspective so we know how to live our lives. We know how to experience what he intends for us. So this is a very important uh, uh, aspect of 
what the word light means in the Hebraic world. Psalm 36, 9. The sages made associations with light and the Messiah. Not just God, but that the Messiah would be the light of God. That the Messiah would bring the light of God to us, right? Psalm 36, 9 says this. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. In your light, we see light. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? In your light, we see light. The sages broke this down and said, actually, this is a messianic passage. It's referring to the Messiah. What they're saying is this, that the reference in your light is a reference to the Messiah. The light here in the first part of the verse is a reference to the Messiah who brings the light of God to us so that we can see and understand who God is. So if we were to retranslate that, it would go something like this. In your Messiah, we have illumination. In your Messiah, we have revelation. The light's on, and we can now understand things from your perspective. Isn't that amazing? So this is the Messiah being associated with the light of God. John 1, 18 says this, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. No one can know God. God God says, I'll self-disclose who I am to whoever I decide. And I'll withhold that to whomever I decide. Right? So what we have here is God saying this, I'm going to reveal myself, but I choose to reveal myself through my son. It's my son who will explain me. It's my son who will reveal who I am. It's my son who will open up your understanding so that you can know me. It's only through the son. So the son becomes the revelation of God or the light of God. If you were to say that in a Jewish way, the light of God. Jesus is, in fact, the light of God. John I want to read this, John 1, 1 through 14. I'm going to read a translation. It's probably the most dynamic of all the translations. So, so it's not the best study Bible, you know, if you're going to be doing some exegesis. But if you want a really powerful impact emotionally and in your heart, this is the one. It's called The Voice. Let me read this. Before time itself was measured... The voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That, that's the same passage, okay? They just they choose the term voice rather than word. Why? Because a word is, when it's spoken, a voice, right? And the word is personified. So they translate it, the voice was speaking. The voice that was speaking was and is God. And this is in reference to Jesus, of course. This celestial word remained ever-present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos. Immersed in the practice of creating, all things that exist were birthed in Him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light a light that thrives in the depths of darkness. 
blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. A man named John, who was sent by God, was the first to clearly articulate the source of the light. This baptizer put it in plain words, the elusive mystery of the divine light, so all might believe through him. Some wondered whether he might be the light, but John said, I am not the light. He merely pointed to the light. Verse 9, the true light who shines upon the heart of everyone was coming into the cosmos. This is Jesus, who was one with God and is God, is now coming into our world from the heavenly realm into the natural realm. He is, it's, it's describing his entrance into our world. And who is he? He is the light of the cosmos. He is the origin of all light. He's the revelation and illumination of the creator. It says he entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. Even though he came to his own people, they refused to listen and receive him. But for all who did receive and trust in him, he gave them the right to be reborn as children of God. He bestowed this birthright, not by human power or initiative, but by God's will. The voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside of us. We have seen him. Enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true Son of the Father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Isn't that amazing? Jesus being described as the voice of God, as the light of God, coming into our world to save us, to deliver us out of darkness. It penetrates the darkness, seeking us. Can you imagine that? In darkness, you, you, you can't be found. In the darkness and the confusion of sin and shame in the realm of the dead, you are invisible to everyone and everything, shrouded in darkness. And then the light of Jesus comes and shines on you. All of a sudden, the light bursts in, and there you are. You once were lost in darkness, but now you're found. Why? The light came and lit everything up. And you were able to respond to that and be saved from the darkness. John 8, 12, Jesus said this, I am the light that shines through the cosmos. If you walk with me, you will thrive in the nourishing light that gives life and will not know darkness. We can live in the light. We can have the light and life of Messiah in us. And it's a game changer because it doesn't matter what the world's doing. doesn't matter what's going to happen in our world. It doesn't matter. Everything's going to be okay because in the light, you are safe. Josh, I had this dream. It was, it was a, a terrifying dream this last week. And in the dream, I was in this, this really huge house. It was, it was like just this huge house. It was about 5,000 square feet. And it was totally dark inside. But I could see people. I could, I could see them. It was dark. But I had to get really close to kind of see their faces. And they were like rough people. I mean, they were, they were some serious rough people. Like the M13, what do they call it? M13 gangs or whatever, you know, all tatted up. And you can just tell they were the, the, the really 
you know, some rough crowd. And uh, I, I went up to this one guy because I, I could tell, you know, this is a horrible place, horrible place, and that we were all stuck in here. And I'm thinking, we got to get out, you know, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to get some support. We're, I'm, my, my deal is this. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get everyone united because together we can overcome evil, you know? So I went up to this, this guy and, and I, I said, I said, I said, you know, I said, hey, what's going on here? And he's right away, he goes, shh. He just put his hand up, you know. He says, don't talk, you know. I thought, what? Don't talk, you know. What, what's the deal? He said, no, 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 no. I said, no, listen to me. I said, if we gather everyone together, you know, united, if we get together united, we can overcome evil. He says, you don't know who she is? And I said, look, together it doesn't matter who she is, you know. And as I was saying that, he jumps out of his chair and just throws himself against the wall. He's totally petrified. And so he's looking at something behind me. So I turned around, you know, and all of a sudden, here's this woman. She's standing there, and she's dressed in black. She has long nails, and she has tattoos all over her bald head. She's real gaunt, you know? And I mean, right away, she was like the personification of terror. It was horrible. I saw her, and it struck. This fear went through me, and I just knew I'm done. I'm done. No wonder they were saying, don't talk, you know? No wonder they don't want to unite. I began to realize it didn't matter if we united. We were no match for this evil one. And behind her was this entourage of demon spirits. And as she was making her way up to me, I knew right away, I, I, better, I better like somehow appease her, you know? So right away, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I had no idea who you were. And she thrust her finger out. And she says, she says, double, you know, double for you, you know. And I'm realizing there is no mercy here. This is a real wicked person. So I got on my knees. I got on my knees. I just bowed. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I even started crying. I said, please, I did not understand. Please, because I knew something really bad was going to happen to me, really bad. And I'm just crying and pleading, begging, please, please. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I remembered Jesus. <laughs> thinking, what am I thinking, right? What am I thinking, you know? So right away, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Jesus, and he speaks to me in my heart and says, if you call on my name, I will deliver you from this wickedness. So I stood up, I looked her straight in the face, and I said, you're not going to like this, but I'm leaving now. Uh, it was so good. It was like the best, it was my best line, you know, got my composure back, you know, so you're not going to like this, but I'm leaving now. And she, she went to like strike me. She like roared. And right away at the same time, I just, with everything in me, I just screamed out, Jesus, I just, Jesus, you know, Oh my gosh, the minute I did this, this like bubble came around me like, a, like you know when you blow bubbles for the kids at, in, in the parties and they float around and you can see all the colors in, in the translucent bubble, you know? It had this big bubble, it was all translucent, it had colors all over it like this and it enveloped me and right away she thrust her hand in because she was going for me, you know? But it hit that and slowed it down and all of a sudden she, could, she couldn't get me. And the demons all, they like struck at the same time. And so everything's like pushed in and everything, but they cannot get to me. And then I start to rise. I started to, to levitate the ascension, like the ascension of Jesus, you know. And it was like he was delivering me. He was lifting me out of that. It was so amazing. And, and I, I just remembered 
you know, well, I didn't remember. I had to come to terms with this, that um, we are no match for the evil one. It's not about unity. It's not about gathering together in our own strength, even united with millions or billions of believers. We're still no match for the evil one. Only Jesus, only Jesus can deliver us from the evil one. We are no match. The Lord's Prayer at the end says, uh, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil because we're no match. We need deliverance and we need to trust in him and not our own strength, regardless of who we are, regardless of our resources, our wealth, our friends, you know, when we're facing evil, we have to call out on the name of the Lord. He is our only hope in that. So, but oh, I'm so good. I should have just called out Jesus, but I just had to gab a little bit. But it was, there was nothing as gratifying as to stand up and, and say, you're not going to like this, but I'm leaving now. It was, oh gosh, thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to enjoy a little bit of that, okay? So, okay, so uh, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one that delivers us. He's the one that comes into the darkness and makes a way for us to escape it. I also, I also asked the Lord. I said, Lord, after my dream, when I have dreams, I always ask the Lord what these dreams are about. You know, I want, I want to know and understand the dreams. So I said, Lord, I said, um, I was laying in bed. I said, is that, is that, is that, is that hell? He says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, that's not hell. He says, that's a house of torment. That's one of many houses. This is, this is where people go who have denied me, who have rejected me. Hell is even worse, son. The lake of fire at the end is even far worse than these places of torment. So I just want to say, if you don't know Jesus, it's a good time to give your life to Jesus. Don't play around with this. You have no idea. Part of the darkness is you, you don't even understand what's going on, really. You know? So I want to encourage you. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Turn away from your sins. Make him your Lord and Savior. Ask him into your heart and get baptized. Get baptized. Get plugged into a community and uh, live in the light. Live in the light. But I'm going to read you a verse, Mark 16, 16. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. Last thing you want to do is end up in a place of torment, only later to be cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, get right with God. Receive the light. The light of God is Jesus himself. All right. So, Jesus being the light of God, do you think that he would have wanted wanted to go to the annual festival of lights, right? Jesus was human too. He was fully human and fully divine. Do you think that the human side of Jesus wasn't saying, hey, I am the light of the world, and they're having this huge annual festival of lights in Jerusalem. I think I'll go. Wouldn't you want to go? If, you're, if, if you were the light of the world, yeah, that's that's exactly where, where you'd want to be. I think Jesus wanted to be there because he's the light of God. He's the light of the world. And it's during that festival, the festival of revelation, the festival of illumination, 
that he's going to go ahead and reveal for the first time who he truly is. So he makes his way down. Now Hanukkah was taking place in Jerusalem, John 10, 22. It was winter and Jesus was walking around in the temple inside of the porch of Solomon. So the Jewish leader surrounded him and quizzed him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? How long are you going to play coy? How long are you going to hide who you are, beating around the bush, talking in parables? Just come out and tell us. If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Speak plainly. Be forthright. Answer the question, are you the Messiah? He'd been hiding this for great, a, a great amount of time. And here we are at Hanukkah, the festival of disclosure, right? It's the fest, festival of revelation where you reveal things that are disclosed. Jesus answered them, I have told you, but you do not believe me. The actions that I do in my Father's name testify on my behalf, but you don't believe because you don't belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never be lost. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is more important than anything, and no one can snatch it from my Father's hand. And then he reveals himself. Verse 30. I and the Father are one. That was a statement that declared and proclaimed something even greater than if he said, I was the Messiah. There were many messiahs in Israel's history. Messiah means a, a, anointed one, usually in reference to great deliverers. Like King David was a messiah. He was an anointed one. He was a deliverer. Moses was a messiah. Joshua was a messiah. Many messiahs. But, but there's an ultimate Messiah that would come, right? The ultimate one is the Son of God. He goes beyond that. He goes beyond, I'm just the Messiah, or I'm the ultimate Messiah. I'm the Son of God. He goes beyond that. He says, I and the Father are one. He spoke of an equality with the Father, that he, in essence, was one with the Father. This was the greatest claim to divinity that anyone had ever, ever made. And he waited to make that disclosure at Hanukkah, the festival of revelation. I just think it's so intriguing in every way. I'll never read these passages again with a cursory read. Now I have an understanding of why Jesus wanted to be in Jerusalem during this festival. I'm going to jump down to verse 38. He goes on to say that he's doing his father's actions. They want to stone him because he makes himself out to be God. And he has some dialogue with them. Then in verse 38 it says, But if I'm doing them, the works of the Father, even though you don't believe me, believe the actions so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. This was so upsetting. No one had ever said this before. I mean, I, you can make a case for the Gentiles making these claims, right? But not the Jewish community, not Israel. Antiochus Epiphanes, what do you think Epiphanes means? God manifest. He was saying, I am God manifest on the earth. Jesus, he's making this claim. 
except he's the only one that can make the claim. He's the only one that that can say it, and it's true. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the light of God revealing who the Father is so that we can be rescued from the darkness. In conclusion, I want to leave you with this thought. Jesus making all kinds of claims about being the light of God, the light of the world. You know, he, he goes on and says, if you believe in me, I'm going to make you my children, the children of the light. You can be light beings, children of the light, which means you and I get to be maybe a candle on the menorah, right? Just, just a revelation of who God is through the light that is in us. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, it says this, And you, beloved, are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Are you letting your light shine, right? Are you bringing illumination or revelation to people around you? They're counting on you and they don't even know it. You and I have the answers. You and I have a perspective about this world and who we are and who God is, what he expects of us that they don't have. They're in darkness. Be courageous. Know the light is in you. And when you share the love of God with people around you, they're going to respond. They're going to either hug you and kiss you and thank you, or they're going to pick up a stone and hit you in the head. But there's not going to be a neutrality there. Because as you bring the light, it will have its effect. So be the light of the world. You are the Hanukkah of the world. You are the lights of the world. Verse 16. You are like that illuminating light. Let your light shine everywhere you go, that you may illumine creation so men and women everywhere may see your good actions, may see creation at its fullest, may see your devotion to me, and may turn and praise your Father in heaven because of it. Stand with me as we close. Father, I thank you that in your son, you have saved us. That you have sent your light, Jesus, into the world to seek and to find us and to lead us out of our darkness, to bring us into community with one another, into a community of light and illumination and revelation. We thank you, Father, for what you've done. We receive the light. We receive your light. We receive Jesus into our hearts as the light of God. Come, fill us with your light, Lord God. Come, Cause us to shine like never before. I pray for an impartation on everyone here in Messiah to be filled with the light of God, to be filled with that life-giving light, the anointing of God, the anointing of life, the anointing of light, that we would shine like never before, that we would share the gospel, the good news of Jesus wherever we go, that we'd be healers, that our smiles would set hearts at ease, as we share your love with those around us. We are eager to be lights. We want to gather with you, Jesus, those all around us, to bring them into your kingdom of light, 
and into this place of community where they can live the life that you've intended for them. So we love you, Abba. And Jesus, we say to you, Happy Hanukkah. You are the light of God. You are the light of the world. And we rejoice in you. Amen.